0: Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. I'm Tracy Chernoff, and I've spent my entire professional career in HR. Each week, we'll explore the delicate balance between people and business with the aim to reconnect the two and create meaningful outcomes. Listen in as I share my own experiences, challenge the status quo, and chat with guests from various industries about our mission to bring the human back to human resources. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. Thank you so much for being here for another week. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you are catching this episode. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter on my website, hrtracy.com. I have a newsletter go out every week, and it kind of recaps the episode, but I also talk about some other things there. Um, And I'm continuing to revamp the newsletter, so you definitely don't want to miss out. When you go to my website, hrtracy.com, you can actually see uh, a little bit, you know, like as you scroll just a moment on the right hand side, it'll say subscribe to my newsletter and all you have to do is provide your email and you'll be subscribed. So um, yeah, that would be great if you could do that. Uh, Also, if you don't follow me on LinkedIn yet, please feel free to send me a message request or like a request in general. A lot of the questions that are asked on the podcast come to me through my website or through email, through Instagram, and through LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me outside of the podcast. And actually, the reason why I bring all this up is because I got a really good question submitted to my anonymous submission form, which lives in the link tree, which um, I have linked in every show description and in the bio of my Instagram. So um, my link tree, I think it's like link tree, uh, you know, the the URL slash HR Tracy. So, Basically, this anonymous submission form, which I will provide to you in the show notes as well, does um, allow you to ask questions and, you know, maybe even ask for some specific advice um, to me directly so that I can then answer you. So I got a really good question and it was about merit increases. And I thought, actually, this is so timely because so many companies are going through like this compensation review process right now. Um, just because of the nature of where we are in the year and the timing. So it's May 15th when I'm recording this, and um, most companies who, depending on their fiscal year, are going through, if they have an annual review process, they're going through that process and, you know, kind of doubling down by then having the review process and then having the compensation review and compensation planning process. Not every company um, does it this way. Some companies follow a different fiscal year or a different year, you know, uh, maybe follow a calendar year versus a, you know, fiscal year that matches the calendar year. Like everyone's a little bit different. But I would say in most of my, actually, I think in all of my, the companies that I've worked for, this was kind of the time where we did reviews and um, merit review. So before I ask or share the question that was asked, I should say, I want to just kind of set the stage with what merit increases basically require from us um, and what this process kind of looks like. I have shared uh, in previous episodes in previous years that you know annual re- review processes are things that or are processes, I should say, that are starting to be challenged. There are a lot of companies who are dropping annual reviews and they're just keeping compensation reviews. There are some companies that are doing like annual meetings, but there isn't necessarily this component of an actual like laborious review process. And then there are companies somewhere in the middle that still have review processes, but maybe they keep them abbreviated and, you know, try to keep them succinct. So with that said, you know, every company should be looking at compensation at least annually, but especially when looking at, you know, reviewing performance. If a company is going through an annual performance review process, they should also in tandem be looking at merit processes and compensation planning. So as you kind of, you know, like continue to grow in your HR journey, you will probably become more involved in these types of processes because they are more strategic, they deal with more confidential information of course because we're talking about people's pay. Um and you know there is this element of needing to assess not only equity but you know really pay equity let's say but then also um you know career development, promotion opportunities There's a, typically, this is where like succession planning happens and nine box processes. If you're not familiar with a nine box, it is a type of matrix that's used to assess performance and potential for employees in a company. Not every company uses a nine box grid or a nine box matrix and method, but many companies do because it kind of allows the business leaders to assess and evaluate where the team stands and where, you know, ensuring basically that, Those who are like the top performers that, you know, let's say zero to 5% of people are potentially earning the largest increases. And then those who are underperformers are A, not earning any increase, hopefully, and B, you know, there's a plan there either to improve their performance or manage them out. So this whole process is what happens during an annual review process typically. Every company is different, especially depending on the size. But I would say if you have over 50 employees that you're dealing with, you probably are going through this process at some level. Maybe it's more abbreviated. Maybe it's a little bit more simple. Um, but at some level, this type of strategy is happening between HR when there is HR um, and the other business leaders. And if there isn't HR, then you know the person who is running the company those who are kind of in the c suite of the company or the organization would be kind of taking this over so when it comes to the compensation planning portion of annual reviews there are companies who kind of take the same approach where they're like okay we're going to apply this max percentage to each person and based on their performance they'll earn you know some sort of increase within that percentage so let's say a company decides that they're going to do a 2.5% increase for everyone as a maximum, not meaning that everyone gets 2.5%. But basically, they'll say, okay, this is the bucket. And they'll look at performance and you know all of those things that I just talked about and assess, okay, where within that percentage should someone be in terms of an increase? Those who are not performing at all, in my opinion, they should not be getting an increase because... You know, hopefully you have documentation. Hopefully you've been having, you know, these types of conversations with them that help them to understand their performance. Um, and that, you know, if you're not meeting expectations, there shouldn't be a reward. Um, for those who are maybe like really in that top performer category, they're probably going to be at that that highest range of the the percent increase, right? So that said, every company does take a little bit of a different approach. Some companies have this kind of like total bucket. Some companies say, okay, we have, you know, this amount of money. And so we have to apply this amount of money. So, depending on how the finance team kind of decides to operate, it could vary. Right. And so, for you as an HR leader, you are probably going to facilitate in the assessment and evaluation of where each percentage falls for each individual based on their performance. But this is really owned by the manager. Like we don't want to get too involved except for where the equity comes in and making sure that the assessment is, you know, a, an equitable assessment across different leaders, you know, leaders and and departments. Because the assessment that one person takes in one department could be totally different than an assessment or a style of assessing a, in another department. So that is where HR's involvement is really critical in my opinion because If we're not involved, then, you know, leader A could be much more critical than leader B. And then you'll have this kind of like uh, um, disproportionate evaluation of performance and then pay. So that's where, you know, HR can kind of help to level the scales a bit and um, just kind of assist in the objective assessment at an organizational level. So it is really important if you're not involved in these processes that there is someone in HR involved. And if you have an opportunity to get involved, do it. Get involved. Talk about the importance. Share this episode, for God's sakes, whatever you've got to do. But there has to be some sort of HR representation in these processes. Um, So let's say, you know, finance makes this decision and it's percentage-based and uh, now every leader has this kind of bucket to work with. That is where again you're going to kind of support with the assessment side of things, um, and also if there's someone who is maybe not paid at a a level or within a range for a role where they where they should be, maybe they're you know below a range or maybe even above a range, you, the the increase could be more or less than what that pool reflects, and this is where a conversation and kind of a, an alignment with finance is really important. That those who are who maybe uh, were not captured properly in a previous uh, merit increase process, or maybe um, they came in a little bit low, Before, maybe especially if those of you are in companies that did not have pay ranges before, it is possible that you have to do a whole market comp analysis to assess ranges because you could have people who are below that range um, for their job that they're in. And so when you do that analysis... You could find someone who maybe is a strong performer but isn't necessarily someone that typically would get that full increase but does need to be increased in- enough to be within the range. Those types of situations do happen as well. So it is a, a it can be a little bit of a lengthy process, but it's really important because obviously pay is really important, um, not only because it's people's livelihood but also because pay equity is really, really critical for companies to be on top of. So let me uh, pose the question that was asked to me, to all of you. So this person wrote in saying, can you talk about merit increases and how managers and HR come up with the percentage? At my job in the HR department, benefits and the TA team, everyone got 4% and above, and me and my other coworker got 3.25%. Any thoughts? So First of all, I hope that my explanation of merit increases and how these percentages are determined has helped. Tip, I have not seen an HR department come up with this alone, ever. I've only seen HR and finance work on this together because it is a budget thing. So if HR is deciding the percentage in a silo, I would be surprised. So I think the the first thing that I'd try and seek to understand is what – is whether or not finance was involved, if that helps at all, because I think it is important given your role in on uh, the benefits and uh, talent acquisition team that you understand strategies. Um, especially depending on like your level of se- seniority, this is something that you might eventually want to learn um, and get involved with. And even from like a benefits perspective. Payroll and benefits and compensation and benefits typically go hand in hand. So I think that there is probably an opportunity to learn something about this process just for your own personal growth and development. If your company is remote or hybrid, then you know just how difficult it can be to grow your company's culture beyond a pre-scheduled Zoom happy hour or occasional lunch and learn. Well, this week's sponsor is here to solve that. They're called CultureBot. CultureBot has devised what will likely become the gold standard for growing and blossoming a company culture inside of Slack. The app is like a sidekick for any HR or people professional, automating a lot of the mundane tasks you probably are forgetting to do on a daily basis. Things like birthday and work anniversary celebrations, team shout outs and kudos, employee introductions and remote games. It even has health and wellness tips and conversation starters. If that piques your interest, this will get you even more excited. Today, I'm able to share a special promotion for listeners of the podcast. You can get your first six months of CultureBot for 50% off. Plus, if your team is under 25 employees, CultureBot is free forever. So if you're looking for a way to create a culture of appreciation and drive increased engagement and togetherness across your team, I definitely recommend checking out CultureBot. Go to GetCultureBot.com slash HumanHR. That's GetCultureBot.com slash hr to get the offer. Plus, I've added the link in the show notes, so you can just click right there. Now, let's get back to the podcast. So just to kind of recap, typically finance is coming up with that budget, whether it's a percentage or a dollar amount. And the merit increases for each person are determined typically based on performance, tenure, Um, sometimes the the actual increases are prorated. So if someone, let's say there's an eligibility period of like, I don't know, let's say September of the prior year. And beginning in September, anyone hired after September would have like a prorated increase. Meaning if you started August 31st or before, I think August has 31 days in the month. I'm sorry, I should probably remember this from elementary school, but nevertheless, I'm just riffing it here. The day before September 1st, I think it's August 31st, Uh, anyone hired on or before that day would have 100% of an increase. Anyone hired on or after September 1st within that eligibility period would then have a prorated increase. So maybe someone on September 1st would have 99% versus someone who uh, was hired in February might have only a 5% proration. So that kind of helps hopefully to understand that if someone is given a 5% increase and that is let's just say a dollar amount of $10,000, 5% of that, if it's prorated, is going to be $500, right? Let me let me do the math on this really, really quickly before I make myself look foolish. 10,000 minus 5%. Yes, it's $500. Look at me go. Um I didn't check the calendar to see if August 31st is is you know I should probably check this too because otherwise you all are just going to laugh at me and you know we can, we can laugh at me but aha see I knew my gut was right there are 31 days in August please don't laugh at me um you can laugh at me it's fine anyway so that hopefully can help to understand also how these increases are broken up it's performance it's tenure it's uh you know within tenure it's also when someone started so Someone with four years of tenure, obviously their increase will be at 100% versus someone who has four months of tenure, A, might not be eligible, B, might be on a prorated schedule for that increase. Um, So it really depends on the um, parameters that a company decides. So the second question here, or the second portion of the question here is, at my work in the HR department, everyone got 4% and above, and... This person who submitted the question and another coworker got 3.25%. So I'm curious how you know this. It sounds like maybe you are involved in the compensation side of things potentially. So maybe you have visibility into this. I think it's always okay to ask the question like, hey, how is this decided? It sounds like it could be performance-based. Like if someone, you know, let's say that the total uh, or the max increase for someone is 4% then that means that you're only missing that 0.75% or units left within that percentage, right? So, you know, it could just be that you were greatly exceeding expectations, but you didn't go, you know, you didn't like fully exceed expectations, or maybe you met expectations versus fully exceeding expectations. Like that could be one example. Um, Another thing that could happen, could have happened is that maybe you are fairly uh, new in your role, or maybe you were recently promoted. And so you, maybe you already received an increase. And so your increase is a little bit less than potentially what others made or earned. Also, I should note, just because you are in the same department or or potentially in similar roles does not mean that the increase should be the same. In fact, if everyone's getting 4% and above, it sounds like the max increase is potentially higher than that 4%, so it's, maybe it's like 5 or 6%, and everyone's kind of sitting in this meeting expectations place, which is great. There should be more people in that you know, space most—that's at least there shouldn't be, but it's statistically there typically are more people who are meeting expectations versus not meeting or exceeding expectations. It's just statistically relevant. That's how things te- tend to shake out. Although there definitely can be companies and departments where there are more people in the top performer range or more people in the underperformer range. So, I mean, three point two five percent is great. But I it's I I'm lacking a little bit of information to be able to help assess and understand why the diff why there's a difference. But it could be that. If you were recently promoted, definitely could be that because you you potentially recently had an increase. Um if you are potentially uh, you know, working on things that maybe are a little bit less complex and your colleagues are working on, you know, maybe things that are were bigger projects that maybe inflated the performance, potential ratio, like maybe there was just the expectations were a little bit higher and they achieved those expectations. That could be a reflection too. But I I do want to be clear that pay equity, it does not equal pay equality. Meaning if everyone is kind of looked at with the uh, same assessment criteria and, you know, evaluated within that and, you know, compared to the range within your role, then pay equity is, is, is there, right? You're the person is evaluating your performance. They're evaluating their your position within the range of the role that you're in in terms of compensation. And they're evaluating your performance against that and then assessing the the increase measurement. Pay pay equality would mean that every single person gets the same increase regardless of the work that they're doing. So pay equity does not equal pay equality. And in fact we don't really want pay equality because you know if you and your colleague are doing the same work, but you are doing 10 times more and you're performing 10 times more, you're not going to feel that great if you're getting 4% and so is the other person getting 4%, but they're not meeting expectations, right? So this is where understanding pay equity I think is really important. Um, But, you know, I'd be interested to hear, like, if you want to submit another, you know, like either a follow-up or email me, I'd love to hear a little bit more detail on this because it sounds reasonable. It's not like, you know, I think if you had said that everyone got like 4% and above and you are not getting an increase, my first thought would be like, oh, well, either you're new or you're not meeting expectations. But it doesn't sound from the question that these are either of those, you know, potential options. So it does sound like if there was a, um, a smaller percentage for you and your coworker that it is performance related. And I think in general, anytime you get an increase or don't get an increase, you can ask that question of your leader, hey, what was the evaluation to determine the increase that I received? Why didn't I receive more? What can I do to receive more the next time? How is all of this evaluated? Who comes up with the percentages? Like all of those questions are totally fair to ask. And they are, it's not that they're personal, but they are specific to each organization, especially because of budget there are some companies who don't budget for increases or they kind of like hold their breath hoping that they'll have increases or only have like minimal increases. Like I remember back in the day when I was working like, you know, retail part-time during the recession, I was still in college. Oh no, I was in high school going into college and regardless, I was still, I was working during it. And I remember each year, I would kind of like expect like a 25 cent increase. And um, there was one year, like right before the recession that I got a 50 cent increase. I was like, "Woo, look at me go, I'm going to be able to, you know, afford to drive a little bit further and get some more gas for my car. Right. So that was, I don't know, let's say 2009. So I was a senior in high school, I guess. Um, But then I remember going into college and maybe, no, I should say maybe I was a junior in high school, 2008, and I got the 50 cent increase. And then senior year, 2009, it was different because companies were struggling a bit more. If I'm remembering this correctly, I think I am. But regardless, the point is still there that I wasn't, no one got an increase because the companies were just, you know, it was, it was, we were all struggling. Um, and so I kind of stayed at that. I think I was making like 6 50 an hour maybe at that time, maybe $7, maybe I'd just gotten to $7 an hour the year before. And um, I was really proud of that. And I worked really hard. And, you know, then there was no increase. And I I, I don't know that I totally understood the macro um, situation, like the macro economics that, that tied into my lack of an increase. And I remember asking my manager, like, oh, there was no increase this year. I kind of was, hoping I'd get another 25 or 50 cents. And she was like, I would have loved, I will never forget this. I would have loved to have given you a dollar more. And I was like, tell me more. And she was like, but you know, right now we're not, you know, we just don't have the budget because of the recession. And I was like, oh, this is making sense to me. Like, you know, I was in economics at the time. I think I was taking micro, like AP micro or something. And I was like, this makes total, total sense that even though my performance was great, there just wasn't this position or this budget to give me the increase. So I share that personal anecdote because I think companies are in not a recession, but obviously in a, a difficult position right now where they are, you know, looking to find maximum budget because everyone is focused on retaining their top talent. And they have to be always, but especially right now, we know that there's the there are these challenges in the workforce. But then on the flip side of things, it's like, do we have enough to give as much as we want to so then you know coming back to your question anonymous submitter um i think about like if your company was like okay the max that we could give everyone is 5% if everyone gets 5% this is our total budget that's what we can do and it's based maybe even it's based on department maybe certain departments get you know, X percent and other departments get Y percent. Doesn't I haven't really seen that, but it, it could be possible. Anything's possible. Then I could see that maybe some of these macro events could um, influence the, some of those decisions. But it doesn't sound based on the percentages that you, your colleagues, and your other coworkers have received that you're necessarily in that position. But I do think it's important to understand that coming to that percentage and that budget. Is not just an HR process. It's involved with the finance is involved, and there's collaboration there. Um, and there, it, it's not just about company profits and revenues and things like that. There's so much that folds into it, especially if a company is looking to maximize their uh, their revenue to ensure that they have some cushion for the following year. Because obviously, companies again are in this situation, which I think. Every company is probably always confronted with this. We need more employees. We don't, we can't really spend that much more. We want to make sure we have a long enough runway. We we have to make sure that we can, you know, we can last X number of years without ever making an, an another dollar, right? So companies like finance teams go through that evaluation to see reasonably what can what can be afforded. And a responsible finance team is going to make sure that. There isn't overspending. So I think that the next best step for you would be to actually inquire within and speak with your leader and try and understand how specific to your organization all of this was determined and if this is relative or relevant to your performance and how you can improve performance if that is related here to get the full percentage amount in the following merit increase process. So with that, I know I rambled for these last near 30 minutes, but I think you guys are probably pretty used to it at this point. I had so many uh reflections. August has 31 days. Um 5% of 10,000 is 500 go me and um you know now that I made like $7 an hour as a senior in high school and I eventually got up to 750. So um, your girl really was working to climb to climb the scale there. Um when when I was still in uh, going from high school to college and working and you know trying to find a way to you know be able to afford the books and rather than just borrowing them from the library, even though always borrow a book from the library. It's much more economical. Um, anywho, that's that from me. If you have any questions, like I said, um that are related to HR or unrelated to HR, if you have specific advice you'd like to ask, please, again, feel free to submit a question to the anonymous submission form. You can also write me on Instagram, send me an email at podcast at podcast.hrtracy.com. And again, don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter on hrtracy.com. I'd really appreciate it. I can't wait to have extra opportunities to connect with you directly. So thank you so much for being here for another week. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe so that you can catch next week's episode and be alerted of next week's episode, um, the moment it drops. So I hope you all have an amazing week. Go get those increases, figure out how they're determined, make that money and do great work. I know you will. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Hey, just before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you are the first to hear when an episode drops each week. And maybe leave a five-star review and a comment about how much you loved this episode. Plus, if you have someone in mind who would really enjoy this episode, make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.